0: This is Momming While Feminist. Feminist. We're here to have authentic, open-minded, hopeful, and maybe even helpful conversation about being a mom in a world where gender inequality and misogyny are everywhere.
1: We want our parenting decisions to reflect our values as feminists, but that's not easy, so we need to talk about it. Welcome.
0: Welcome. I'm Lisa. And I'm Lindsay. I have two sons, ages five and seven, and a daughter, age two. And I have two daughters ages three and six.
1: This is our first episode.
0: Yay!
1: Yay! We're going to be discussing division of labor for reasons we'll discuss in a minute. And since this is Momming While Feminist, we'll be focusing on the work we do to raise children. But before we do that, we wanted to acknowledge uh, the essential workers who provide food and basic home necessities so that we can stay safe at home with our families. We are releasing this episode on May 1st, 2020 which is May Day, and that's also a day we celebrate working people around the world. This May Day, workers at Amazon, Whole Foods, Target, Instacart, Walmart, FedEx, and Shipt are striking to demand increased pay, paid leave, and health insurance. Before COVID-19, these workers often face tough conditions. With COVID-19, they are putting their lives at risk. We can show solidarity by not shopping at those stores this May 1st. We'll put a link in our show notes if you want to learn more.
0: Because the way people show up as mothers and as feminists are greatly influenced by their identities and their places of power and privilege in the world, we do think it's important to be upfront about our own identities and privileges. And eventually we want to do this as a, as a whole episode, but we think it'll also be relevant if we discuss these identities and our experiences as we go along.
1: And we're not 100% sure if that's the completely right decision. We don't want to kind of discount the fact that our identities are coloring so much of what we're going to say. We're just going to acknowledge we're both in super privileged, upper middle class families where both parents have a job um, that is um, non-essential and where we can work from home. We are both straight, white, cisgender women married to straight, white, cisgender men. And
0: we use she, her pronouns. Yes. So
1: we decided we would start every episode with our Feminist
0: Crush of the Week. Who's your Feminist Crush of the Week? So I've I've gone back and forth. I had one last time you and I talked about this, but I've changed it and then I changed it again. So for... Uh, today, there was a show on uh, the Sesame Street um, Town Hall on coronavirus on CNN. Uh-huh. And one thing I loved about that is Elmo, As and when Elmo came on, he had to go away because he had to help his dad with the dishes. And I just loved that Sesame Street set it up like that, set it up as Elmo helping his dad do the dishes. Um, because often in, on TV and in commercials and stuff, we still see women doing that role in you know, kitchen and, and that that uh, housekeeping type role. So uh, I was pretty impressed by that particular part of that Sesame Street coronavirus town hall this morning. What They're trying you, to be really intentional about gender, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Of course, I should add that they had all these um, kids speaking and sharing their questions. And like throughout most of the the show... Uh, pretty much all the kids I saw were white. So that was not so good. But the opening part with Elma was great. So what's your feminist crush of the week? So mine
1: was um, actually a girlfriend of ours. Uh, I had posted on Facebook asking about divisional flavor because I had seen all these posts from women about their schedules and how their schedules were fitting around their husband's schedule. And I brought it up, and a husband of a former colleague commented – And his comment uh, included a lot of things, but one of the things was how he isn't um, carrying quite the same workload as his wife right now during coronavirus because he has a new job. And normally it's so equal, but, um, you know, right now it's not. And it just bummed me out because I was like, of course, like, you're the exception to the rule and you have a reason why your wife is having to do more labor. And I didn't know how to respond and I was just feeling sad. And then our friend replied to him. She was really direct, but also really caring. And I was just so grateful to have someone speak up and be so articulate about it. And it just made me appreciate how women show up for each other and help each other and how we're all kind of navigating this together. And the specific thing she said, I thought it was useful because I like branded it in my brain for the next time I need to address this thing. She said. Know that my comment is not necessarily a commentary on you personally. While it does fit comfortably into a pattern that suggests a trend with meaningful consequences at scale, individual circumstances are always unique. And I, I don't know. I just, I don't know why I that love it so much. That is beautiful. I think
0: I'm just well going to use that
1: all the time. I'm yes. Just, my husband is going to be like, I can't help with dinner. I'm going to be like, <laughs> well, while it does fit comfortably into a pattern that
0: suggests a trend. So she's my crush this week. That's awesome.
1: That's all awesome. right so we decided to talk about division of labor this week and we thought we should say a little bit about why we have talked a lot you and i about Mm -hmm. issues of feminism but we've never really pulled back the curtain on our personal lives and how they run and then when coronavirus came it was this opportunity like everyone started to share their schedules and suddenly people were being a lot more transparent about what was actually happening and to be honest like when I used to imagine your house, I imagined it running perfectly, equally 50-50. And when mine wasn't, I would be like, oh my God, I'm such a bad feminist. Like, how am I setting an example for my children? And like, why can't I get this right? And when we started to talk about it during coronavirus, I was like, oh my God, like, it's not that I'm a bad feminist. This is happening to everyone and it's Mm -hmm. prevalent and it's accepted. And it just felt like a really great opportunity to start a conversation that i've been wanting to have for a really long time. And it's also, you know, it's all over facebook as well, like everyone is mentioning their schedules there. So i just think it's something that there are articles about it, but often like those seem like platitudes cuz they're articles and so just starting to talk about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah and I th- I think it's helpful to to back up just a little bit and talk about like why division of labor is 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 a feminist issue and or, or why work is a feminist issue. And so um I just going to kind of gr- briefly go through um sort of my understanding around this. So I think it's helpful to think about when we think about work as it relates to gender and feminism, you think about three different types of work. So you have paid work, which is often what we typically associate with work. It's the work where you get paid, where either you get paid for your labor or someone else gets paid for your labor if you're in an exploitative situation. Then the other type of work is is care work, Some people would call this reproductive work. So this is the work for taking care of your family, your household, taking care of the kids, doing the dishes, making the food, things that are not paid. And the third type of work is uh, community work, which is often an extension of care work, and but this is work you do for your community. Again, usually not paid, or if it is, it's not very much. But it's work for um, you know baking a, a meal for a, a, um, a neighbor who is sick or had, or had a family. So the reason this is a feminist issue is because these these different the domain of women historically, or at least in the last several centuries, has been concentrated in that care work space, which is either not paid or underpaid, and undervalued and it's invisible because and we see this in our language when we talk about for example going to work when we talk about a working mom we're not talking about we're talking about work as in something you get paid for versus a stay-at-home mom um the language that we use there which kind of makes invisible the work that that we do, that a mom does, or a parent does, or a person does to take care of children all day long, and then we also see that as care work moves into that paid sp- paid space, so like childcare workers, cleaners are also continue to be underpaid, um, and this this is again is is, rooted, is goes back to feminism because that work is associated with women's works, and so it's undervalued and underpaid. And it's also important to point out, as we mentioned at the start of this podcast, that these domains. These trends are not the same for all women. So for example, black women in the U.S. have always been worked outside the home far more than white women have. And ever since white people enslaved them, enslaved Africans, Africans and their descendants. Um, and then after that as domestic help for, for white families. So our identities influence these experiences. So what we're seeing now is that and, and even as things have changed in the United States and, and around the world and you see more women moving into that paid work space, we still see and we know that, that women still take on the majority of the care work at home. Even when um, the, both if you're talking about a heterosexual couple, both the male and the female, the mom and the dad are, work outside the home. Um, in their paid work, they also the the woman still takes on more of the the work, the care work at home. And this is what we're talking about today: is is how is this being, how is coronavirus affecting these trends? How is this affecting us, as now that all of our children are home, we don't have childcare, we don't have school because schools are closed, and yet we're still those of us who have um, jobs are still expected to do that work from home for those of us who can work from home. So that's kind of that that background there as well.
1: And so when I hear you talking, what I hear you saying is, like, we can take a really simplistic uh, view of gender equality about it being 50-50, but when there are different kinds of work, the 50-50 just gets really, really murky. Mm -hmm. Because, like, it's not like we're divvying up, like, equal tasks that take equal amount of time or are equally compensated. And it's really, really hard to sort through all of that.
0: Well, and these gender norms, this expectation or this, uh, that, that care work, household work, taking care of children is a domain of women, of the feminine. We still see that today because we still see that women are doing most of that work. Right. Um, generally speaking, in, in all societies around the world. And then the other thing I didn't mention is the whole issue of emotional labor, which is something else, which maybe we'll get into a little bit later, which is like the, the work you do, the, think, the thinking, the planning, the stressing. Um, and that's a whole other, a whole other story. So.
1: Awesome. Thanks for that. I feel like it's really good to like have that in your back pocket for again, the like random husband that comments on your (laughs) Facebook post when you're trying to push the conversation
0: a little bit. Well, Um, I think it's important to, to, to value, to, to, to value the work that we do, um, as moms, as dads, as however you identify, um, to take care of the family, take care of your family, take care of your kids, as being um as being work, genuine work. Um and I think that in and of itself is a feminist is a feminist act. So yeah. yeah. Well
1: so one of the things that we were thinking about, right, was like, and actually it really came up for me about like halfway through really thinking about and prepping for this conversation was like, why am I so pressed about this? Like yes, Mm -hmm. I get it. It fits within this feminist cause, but why is it like How is it kind of showing up for me emotionally? Maybe that's really what I had to like unpack. Like, why is this, I don't know, keeping me up at night? And the two things that really came out for me as I was doing it was that I really cared for, well, partly I cared because I wanted other people to see me as feminist Mm. and strong. And so I cared because I was thinking about other people's opinion of me, Mm. what their impression was of me and my marriage. But the two deeper reasons were that I really cared what my kids were seeing Mm. and are seeing. And, you know, I've chosen my life and chosen these options, but I definitely want to make sure my kids feel like they can choose and they have options. And then the other reason it was my own sanity was that like when I fall into certain patterns and certain work falls on my plate or doesn't fall on my plate or it lands a certain way, suddenly I'm like super exhausted. Mm -hmm. Something I can't be the mom that I want to be. I'm not – or I'm not even acknowledging that exhaustion. I'm just, like, plowing ahead. So I think there's definitely some – like, aside from the – I guess I just want to mention that aside from the, like, justice component of it, Mm. which is important, compensation and choice, which is really important, there's this element of, like, it really does impact a person personally. Mm-hmm. to be working in this way without the work being acknowledged or to feel like you have no choice but to do certain work, you know, and that it's just not even an option that someone would share that work with you.
0: Right. That You're pushed into it. Yeah. For me, um, I mean, this has been a struggle for me. Um, ever since having, having kids, I feel like, and we don't really have time to get into that whole, the whole story of of after children and whatnot, but like uh, going into motherhood um, with this identity as a feminist and being aware of all of these gender issues and the sociology related to gender and society. Um, But then when we did have children and because of the way parental leave was set up and because of the circumstances that I went through after having children, um, we ended up falling into more of these traditional patterns and we've worked really hard to, to equalize that. And so we're, I feel like we're, we've gotten to a good point. And what I saw happening during COVID was I could see a slipping back um, or slipping back and, and, um, and everyone has to do what's right for their family. But like for me, sl- slipping back into something that was not something that e- that either of us were choosing, but just because the circumstances were where again, like bringing up these uh, influenced by these gender patterns, um, and so I, that's why I think it's really important to talk about these things so that we can be intentional about how we structure and set up our our our, our family, our work, um, yeah, and our choices around work. So totally. Yeah. So
1: will you give us like a summary? Like, what was your um? what was the division of labor before COVID-19 and what was the division of labor? What is the division of labor now during COVID-19? Okay.
0: So, um, and again, it's changed every year since having kids because it's so much of it depends on where they're in school and childcare and whatnot. And, um, and I've um, scaled up and been in and out of the workforce as well. So, but, immediately before COVID, um, both our kids are at the same, the same school. Um, and so we would split, um, child split, drop off and pick off. Um, and they were there at school all day. They were there for regular school and then aftercare. So we had full-time, full-time, um, child care all day long. Um, and, um, uh, my husband and I would, t- would take turns. I'd take two days a week. He'd take two days a week. And then we'd take turns with the third, the fifth day a week. Um, He, in the morning, we kind of, we mainly split things. He would get up a little bit earlier and do more in the morning. Um, I think one of the main things, the main differences is that I would often pick, when it was my turn to pick up, I would often pick them up earlier, um, take them to some activities, and then I'm, and then dinner is my responsibility. Um, And, and, and a part of that is, and we'll talk about this because of the way our schedules have been. how we've arranged our schedules and I have, I'm self-employed. I have my own, I can dictate my own hours. So, um, I'm the one who, who makes dinner. Um, and then we do cleanup and bedtime and all of that the same. So that's kind of a regular day-to-day during the week type, uh, way, breakdown. Um, during COVID, so where we are now, so now the kids are home. We basically divide up, we each take four hour shifts between the nine to five. Um, and we've, so four hours we were doing our paid work, four hours we are with the kids doing homeschooling. Um, I'm still usually the one doing dinner, but he, he does it um, somewhat more, but, um, but that's just something I've always done. So I just keep doing it. <laughs> and, um, so in some ways, in some ways it's been because he doesn't have the, the commute In some ways it's been a little bit better. The difference has been is that his job is, um, I guess, I don't know if I would say more demanding. It is more demanding. And so his boss is expecting him to do the same amount of work, even though he has kids at home to take care of. Like I mentioned, I'm self-employed. I don't have quite as much, I lost a contract because of this. Um, So I don't have as much contract work. So it's a lot easier for me to, to scale back. And I really struggled at the beginning because we were splitting the time equally kid care work Um, and I felt but I wasn't always using that time to do my paid work I was using it to to take care of myself or check in on friends do and go for a run things interesting because like in this scenario like you feel bad
1: for him it's right it's not about equality it's almost about like
0: except there's a reason that I'm in this space where I have a flexible work schedule Um, and a lot of that came down to the fact that my husband makes more money than I do um and um and after we had kids it just became very difficult for two people to be doing a full time job so i'm the one that scaled back and ended up starting my own consulting practice and whatnot
1: was so, it just about the money or was it also that you felt this like either maternal pressure or true like maternal instinct that you needed to be with your kids more than you were
0: felt i mean after i had kids i had this whole major identity switch and it, there was a lot of emotional stuff going on and i did feel like i wanted to be it felt very strange to me this expectation that you're supposed to just go back and work the same amount and be um and, and be the same person you were before you had kids after you had kids without any additional support I have this conversation with my husband where he's staying up late to make up for his hours because his boss is still demanding the same amount of work, even though he has his kids home all day long. We have to te- not only take care of them, we have to teach them. And so my, my debate, like, why don't you push back? You need to draw your boundaries. And I tell him that. And, and again, everyone's work situation is, is different. Um, but I do think we as women are socialized to prioritize flexible work schedules because our success depends on it because we've been told that our success depends on it. Every sort of leadership, you know, corporate leadership, book, lean-in, you know, conference, workshop, every single one of those tells us and prioritizes flexible work schedules so that women can succeed in the workplace and as parents. But, they, but they're not telling that same thing to our husbands, so they don't prioritize that. So we're the ones... That ends up prioritizing that. And then when you have a situation like COVID, where um, we're used to, we already have that flexible schedule set up, it becomes, we're falling back into those traditional gender roles again, or they're being exacerbated um, when it's really because we're better at drawing boundaries (laughs) and we've learned how to prioritize and and demand and draw those boundaries. So, part of the reason why we drew the boundaries is because we had this like huge revelation
1: when we had kids that we were like, oh, work is not going to be the first part, like the number one thing in my life. My kids are going to be the number one thing in my life.
0: Yeah. And I think that the reason that we see that sooner than, than our husbands do is because we take more maternity leave and we have more maternity leave, parental leave than they do. Well, and we carried this
1: this around for 10 months. Yeah. 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 But I guess I mentioned that only because definitely this like conditioning to be flexible about work, Mm -hmm. the fact that men, aren't conditioned that way. It's just such a shame. And yeah. my husband, is does. he has the exact same situation. He works even during coronavirus 70 hours a week at least. He gets up at four in the morning every morning in order to get in extra hours. He stays up really late. He often is sleeping on the couch so that he can just wake up whenever. I mean, it's extreme. And he didn't have the moment I had where I thought, and I, I love my job. I like love my job. I have the perfect job for me. And I still had to say, it's second. And I want to be spending time with these kids who exhaust me. <laughs> and I'm not, yeah. I don't want to play Candyland with them. And I still put, are putting them before my work. He didn't have that moment. Um, not like I did. I mean, he cares about them and he like knocks himself out to be able to have dinner with them and he gives them all of his weekends. But he then, he also, like you said, like wasn't conditioned to have the boundaries.
0: Like this is not sustainable. And I think this is what COVID is going to show us. I don't think it is. And, and I'm talking to my husband about this too. This is going to be going on for a long time. This is going to be a few more months. And even once our kids got, go back to school, there's a possibility that they may be only going to school three days a week because they'll they'll do, like, the alternating. Have you read right. about this? Yes, Where, I have. Yeah. Well, you're a teacher, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry.
1: Well, yeah. So, um, I mean, but my husband has, was doing this before. Like, he yeah. – before coronavirus, he was sleeping – Um. 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. The reason he's able to meet the same demands is because our schedule, we flip-flop three hours. He, he has three hours, then I have three hours. Then the kids, our baby naps for two hours, and we put the kids on mm-hmm. screens. So there's two hours where we both conceivably work, although I spend a lot of time like being interrupted to cheer them on during their screen time. Yeah. And then... I get an hour and a half and he gets an hour and a half. Okay. So like during that time, technically, we each get six and a half hours. Yeah. And then we actually do that every single day, including Saturdays and Sundays. Mm. Yeah. So like we, because we're, you get, we get only get six and a half hours, but we do them for seven days, which is what allows my husband to then, as long as he stays up till 10 and wakes up at four to still be getting his 70 hours. Wow. Which is what so, he was already doing. Wow. So for so me, we, it's more equal. Okay. That's what because I was going to ask. Yeah. Before he was, um, he was commuting. And mm-hmm. so he left the house at seven and he was in charge of drop off. He would take the kids. He would take my oldest to the bus and then the youngest two to daycare. And then I would do pick up and I would do pick up around four forty-five, and he wouldn't come home until seven. So that was grueling. Like the time from five okay. to seven was grueling and it wasn't grueling. I mean, it was grueling because I was alone, but it was grueling because I was working a full job and then having to like solely take care of kids and make the dinner. And by the time Dan got home, I would already have put the baby to sleep and like, I was definitely more miserable then than I am now. I'm really actually quite happy now. Yeah, my work is only six and a half hours a day, and my husband's there the whole time. I'm never really alone, just taking care of kids by myself.
0: Yeah, yeah. That after that that those that after school period and the transitions that come with it, um, bringing home qu- cranky, hungry kids, trying to make dinner all by yourself is really hard. And so I agree like not having having someone here while I'm making dinner to take care of them is so much better.
1: And my husband would make it up to me on the weekends. Like he would take the kids for the whole day sometimes yeah. to like make up those extra 10 hours. He would take the kids, but one of the things that coronavirus has helped me realize is that I um it's not it's not about equality. It's not about the actual numbers lining up where he's with kids this many hours and I'm with kids. It's about my levels of exhaustion.
0: So tell us more about that. There was this um, article I shared with you where uh, a woman, I think her name is Audrey Ruffay. She wrote, she and her husband like made a list of all of the household tasks. And then they had this whole conversation and they said, who does what, um, and and part of that was to also address the emotional labor too. So they so like if if a person is responsible for this entire task, then they're the one that thinks about it, that plans about it, that all of that. So so it's not just the the mom telling the dad, okay, go make that dentist appointment. Like he right. knows that's his responsibility. So you and your husband did that. So tell us. Yeah. So, so tell we didn't us. didn't do what she did. Right. She took
1: like a retreat and they yeah, spent like yeah, a whole. Yeah. <laughs> Which is beautiful. I mean, how, what a what an awesome dedication to like division of labor. To be like, we're yeah. gonna dedicate all weekend. We had about thirty minutes. Um, <laughs> no, but it was great. I literally like quizzed my husband. I was like, I'm gonna say something and you say Dan, Lisa, both, neither. We were a little embarrassed about how many things we were like, neither, <laughs> right? Like we just <laughs> that's off our list. I mean, we 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 have to run a really tight ship to uh, To do the stuff we do, and we're not about to like clean out the fridge regularly. Like, it's you know, there's certain things that don't get done. So, we go through this list, and at first, it seems pretty equal because it's like things we're cleaning in the house, right? I make dinner, he does the dishes, I do the shopping, he does the laundry, right? And so, it seems pretty equal. Then we get to the kids' stuff, and it's mostly me, right? Like, I'm the one who takes care of the appointments. I'm the one who takes care of all the school stuff. I'm the one. And then there was like other household tasks, like paying bills or um, managing our investments and blah, blah, blah. And those were a little more 50-50. And we go through this list and I'm like, oh, wow, it's obvious I do more. Right. And I'm like, so what's your reflection? And he's like, well, I would say I probably do like 51 to 55%. And I just was like, wow and wow in a way like that was so healthy and eye-opening because I was like oh it's not like I've been doing more than my fair share he thinks I've been doing more than my fair share and he's just like living his life like it's unequal but so be it he thinks it's equal yeah yeah. oh like it's a different argument do you know what I mean I've been having the wrong argument for a while so that was really helpful And, and then I realized that the argument was stupid like how am I gonna argue that cooking dinner with the three kids around is harder than staying up all night to do the laundry. Like, really? We're going to try to, like, yeah. how how much bloodletting should there be to prove that we work harder? Like, this is getting, it, it just got, like, stupid. I was like, and, and this is where I've been really grateful for thinking about this because I had to get past my idea of 50-50. Like, who cares? Mm-hmm. I'm exhausted. Yeah. I can't do blah, 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 blah. blah. Or, like, I'm going to sleep at 8.03, like the kids go to sleep at 8 and I'm so tired. To I can't do anything. At 8.03, I've got to be in bed. It's not even about the 50-50. It's got to be about my feelings. Like yeah. am I enjoying my life? Am I happy? Am I able to appreciate what I have because I'm taking care of myself properly? If so, then if I do 60%, who cares? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but it's really hard for me to own that. Yeah. Like it's really hard for me to say, Hey, could you take the trash out? Because I'm really tired and I just don't think I can take the trash out. I've been cleaning a lot and it just feels exhausting as opposed to what I default to say is like, can you take the trash out? Cause I did blank, 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 blank. And you haven't done anything. Right.
0: Yeah. So that's real.
1: So <laughs> that's okay. Like, cause Working on owning my exhaustion, owning my feelings, noticing my feelings, communicating about my feelings, like, I can do that. Trying to, like, figure out how to convince my husband to care about stuff the way I care about stuff, I can't do that. Do you know what I mean? I can't make him, like, want to pick up toys the way I want to pick up toys, right? Right. Or have meals be purchased in a certain way and cooked in a certain way and organized in the fridge a certain way. Like he's going to, if he does it, he's going to do it his way. But What I can have conversations about is I'm exhausted. And by the way, he participates in those conversations totally differently. If I'm like, it's unequal, I'm doing way more than you. He's obviously going to be defensive and annoyed mm-hmm. with me because he's yeah. also working his butt off. But if I'm like, honey, I'm exhausted. I don't think I can keep doing days like this and be happy then he's like oh my gosh well let's figure this problem out right so that has been a huge huge aha for me and I, another learning is like if i'm if i let feminism the part where his what is it where his behavior fits comfortably into a pattern <laughs> that suggests a trend if i let that color my conversation I am going to be so much angrier and so much more unhappy and he's going to be so much more defensive. And truthfully, it's not really fair to be like the whole world has been so unequal and unfair to women. And now you have to carry all of that on your shoulders in every conversation we have. If I can just let that go and decide to fight the feminist fight on my own way at another time and just work on like making sure that I can like have a sustainable household life family then we'll be okay. So that has been another like big learning, I guess, from exploring this
0: topic. So, okay. So I had a conversation with a friend of mine who had two, I don't know if she identifies as a a womanist, but she draws a lot of her, her thinking from womanism. She's a black woman and womanism was termed by, uh, womanist was termed by Alice Walker as something uh, thinking about and a reflection on feminism as being um, something that has been largely promoted by white women and has not addressed the the needs of black women. Um, and for her, she was explaining to me that this division of labor, she recently uh, quit her job and is home full-time with her full-time mom taking care of her kids. Her perspective, and again, this is her as a black woman, is was that for generations, my ancestors my generations of women have been taking care of other people's kids and so for me it's really liberatory for me to be able to be the one that is taking care of my own kids and keeping my house um keeping my family together during this really difficult time wow and and that was really um gave me a lot to think about too and some of these these ways of thinking about feminism and work are, are th- those systems outdated as well, um, or these these ways of thinking and and so I really appreciate you sharing your your story as your story because that um, shows how it's it's more than just this like you said this fifty fifty it's more than just like proving or proving that you 're a feminist household because you sh- you share labor labor equally. I will say though that I still am. Troubled by this trend, where um, women are more likely to demand flexible work, right to get it if they're in a privileged enough position to do so, um, because the reality is is that is that if we still have these expectations that to be in a certain leadership position, to be in a high paying job, you have to give this amount of work. It still then relies on another person to be taking care, to taking on more of the care work. I guess my point is the system's never really going to change unless more people, men and women, but it seems like at least in our little... Sample size of two <laughs> men push back on these on these expectations that we yeah
1: and so one of the things like you 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 when you pointed out that um women are are like reading books you know that it's in like in the air they're breathing to that they're gonna need to be flexible and they're gonna need to find a way there's whole podcasts about balancing work and family yeah um thinking about um best of both worlds right um. And so one of my ideas was just to share those with my husband. Yeah. Like, it's not in the air he breathes, so he doesn't realize
0: that, like, it's in the air I breathe. I will say, though, that is work to share it with him, though. So sometimes, I mean, I and so I think it is important to acknowledge that, too. Yeah, if you want to. um, And I do sometimes. It's complicated. I think what could be useful, and I guess
1: the reason why I would share the articles, isn't so much to convince him that he should demand for flexible work because he doesn't see staying up late as a problem. He's willing to stay up late for the job he loves. If he didn't want to, he could demand for flexible work, but he wants to, that's his choice that he's making. So that's not what I would choose, but that's fine. Um, It's more that I guess I want him to know that I have been raised on that doctrine. Yeah. For me, Maybe it wasn't a completely independent choice. That I've been raised on it so um, long that it's like deeply ingrained in me. And I didn't didn't have, it wasn't really an option for me. It didn't feel like an option for me to say, I'm in my dream job and I'm going to go for it with full gusto. And the truth is like, I've let go so many opportunities at work. I had a side business that would be flourishing right now. It's perfect for the coronavirus. And I had to just be like, nope, I'm not going to do it. And I had invested like lots of money into it and lots of time. And I just was like, there's no possible way I can give my kids the level of love and attention I want to give them and have like emotional space to be happy with that and do this other side hustle. So I had to just drop it.
0: And start a new one by starting a podcast. Yeah, but... Yeah, <laughs>
1: exactly. Exactly. But, like, I really have to be, like, is this filling me right now? Is this, like, is this like restoring me or depleting me? And if it's depleting me, it's out. And I'm, I'm ruthless. And the coronavirus has made me really ruthless.
0: So where do we go from here? What are our... For me,
1: one of the number one things is... Amidst all of this, like, worry about division of labor and equity, and how am I going to talk to my actual husband who's a real person around this? There's also, like, all of my mind talk that is saying because the division of labor is maybe a little bit unequal, I'm not able to be the very best mom or the very best employee. And there's just, like, a lot of judgment and shame. What I mean by mind talk is like stories I'm telling myself that may or may not be true that then like really shape how I see the world, and how I feel about myself. And so for example, if I am up late because I'm the one dealing with the kid who's sick, right? And I'm frustrated with the division of labor, that's then coloring like, and this is why I'm not a good enough employee. Or if I'm working really late on a project at work, I'm like, this is why I'm not a good enough mother, right? And so I think and this hasn't come up in this whole conversation we've been having, but I do think there's a part of like being really conscious of not letting perfectionism, which is something like women in particular condition to like think they need to be perfect and think they need to like have it all and do it all just to be really conscious of not letting that creep into this division of labor conversation and like monitoring that. Um, So like when I'm, Because otherwise, honestly, there's like too much labor to divide. Yeah. Which is another kind of problem. So, like, just trying to, like, we want to divide our labor equitably in a way that people feel good, but like it can't be too much labor or it's impossible for everybody. And so, for me, um, two ways that I do that is I plan imperfection. So, I say, okay, I want to be a really good mom and I'm going to be a really good mom, but not about blank. Like, and really intentionally saying, I'm going to fall short on blank in advance. When I fall short on it and I haven't planned it after the fact, I can make myself feel bad and I can start getting this whole work problem area. But if I plan in advance, then I was being realistic, right? I was working with my hut. It's just better. And then the other thing is sometimes I will like plan the work I have to do and then I'll just really intentionally cross half of it off and say, because a lot of that work is like a choice and to say, okay, here's my list and now I'm going to get rid of it. So those are just ways that I am trying to embrace good enough parenting, good enough work. And really, I want my husband to embrace those things too. That's what I think part of the drawing boundaries you've been talking about with your husband is about,
0: but I can't make him do that. And I definitely get you on the perfectionism. As, as one takeaway, I mean, I still am worried about the precedent that we're setting now um, related to work, with this expectation that people are still expected to get the same level of um, their jobs, paid work done if they're working from home, as they would um, if they had full time childcare. When we don't, and I I am troubled by that, and I do worry about the precedent that, that this might be 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 setting, um, and like almost raising those expectations in terms of uh, there were already unrealistic expectations placed on parents by our society, by institutions to parent and um, work these long hours all day. Um, and really these days around the clock, right? There's expectations are are immense. Um, so I do worry that we might be exacerbating that. Um, I guess that's not a really enlightening way to end. But, but I also just say like, I, I, what I appreciate from you is, is you're giving or uh, thinking about like, this isn't just, people don't go into this intentionally sort of, um, like I'm intentionally going to, uh, um, have you do more work than me. You do more household work than me. Like a, ma- a husband, men are not intentionally, usually intentionally trying to do right, that. Right. Like our institutions and our society sets us up that way. And so I do think it's uh, your point about not putting all of patriarchy on the shoulders of your partner is, is important because it's, it's, these institutions are we really are, um, most of the blame should be, the blame should be going largely to these institutions. Um, but whatever we can do to push those institutions. And that's why I think whatever people can do to push back on those, those expectations. Um, if you are in a position of power in your organization and your company to push back on those expectations, to be working so much, um, while you have, while people in your organization or company have kids at home, that they're supposed to be taking care of and educating. I think another lesson is the the communication and you and I doing this have both talked to our partners more about this since we've started having this conversation about this podcast and how helpful that is. Um, So that that's another sort of recommendation, I guess. Yeah. Um, And I
1: think there's a few things that at least for me have made that go easier. Um, I feel like if the conversation feels like a one-off, um, then people are likely to like bring in a lot of like, you know, criticism and defensiveness, and and that isn't going to be productive. I think if there's a way to really plan, like once a month, we're going to check in, like, um, what's the status of gender equality in our household. And then it doesn't need to be even division of labor. It could be something else like, oh gosh, our books have gotten really male centric lately. You know, like mm. whatever it is. I think um, my husband and I try to have something we call the situation room where we are talking to each other regularly. It's really hard. Like it's really hard. One or the other of us is always too exhausted to do it. Um, But We've done it enough that there's that space where when we sit in a certain part of our house, we're engaging just kind of like with a different level um, of intentionality in a conversation. It's more of a problem-solving conversation and like a joint problem-solving conversation than a, hey, I'm having this problem right now that I'm going to like drop on you and then I'm moving on. Something else that I think has come up here is this idea that we can see solutions for our husbands. We have suggestions for them, right? We have recommendations, um, but like coming to them with the recommendations, which like we skip this really important step about coming to them with the problems. I, I don't, I don't know. Let me speak for myself. I'm like, honey, I think when the coronavirus is over and we know we're not in a depression, you should go to an 80% work schedule. I really think that that's the right answer. Like all this time I've been thinking I should go to the 80% work schedule, but I think you should. And like, he's like, what are we even trying to solve? Is there so like, what are you, what are you referring to? Why? Right. I haven't been like, yeah, I want you home for dinner. Right. It matters to me and we miss you. Right. And then being like, so what do you think the solution is? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. So anyway, just I think we can structure. I don't know. (laughs) Like I'm talking like I'm some sort of couples therapist when like Lord knows I know nothing about marriage. I grew up in a single household with just my mother. She never married my dad. I have no idea what marriages are supposed to look like. I'm the last person who should be offering marriage advice, But these are the lessons I've learned, I guess, the hard way. All right, so we decided, do you have anything else you want to add to the conversation?
0: Um I don't think so. Oh no, I. One more thing. I, yeah. One thing that I didn't say is that I've noticed, and and I want to have a whole other episode about this. Is about this whole concept of community care work. Oh um, yeah, that's definitely an area where. Um, I mean, one of the reasons that I ended up feeling this need to scale back and basically quit my job when Caroline was 18 months was because I felt so alone, and I felt this need to like invest in my community because the only way we're going to be able to survive in the city is if we have like a network, and so. Um, And I really feel like I've worked really hard and put in a lot of energy and labor, like building up that, that network. So when coronavirus happened, especially in the beginning, I was spending a lot of time checking in on neighbors, checking in on people, checking in on friends, seeing how you're doing, seeing how people are doing. Um, And, um, and that, that is work both in terms of time, but also in terms of like the emotional piece of it as well. Like as people, as people were sick and you're worried about them and things like that. and so. I, I, again, I think it's one other thing where like in a crisis, we see that was something that I spent more of my time on um, and carried that burden more and um where it became a little and during a time of crisis it becomes it becomes heavier
1: interesting. well, I think that this has been really fascinating. yeah, <laughs> there it is our first podcast in the books. I think we have a lot to reflect on. It'll be great. um we decided to close every um episode by asking each other the same question, um, about how we're going to take care of ourselves is about this idea that like, um, like the airplane, like you have to put on your own air mask before you put on your, your kids, right? You have to make sure that you're going to be okay. And so, um, yeah, that's how we're going to, that's how we're going to end things. So how are you going to take care of my friend Lindsay this week?
0: Um, so I, one thing that I've learned during covid is well over the past year is the importance of finding time to be alone and since um that's really difficult right now since we're all in the house together um i uh one thing that i've learned to enjoy is i'm going to go to my room with a glass of wine and a book and read my book cuz i'm really into reading books right now um <laughs> oh my god that sounds so lovely <laughs> and i'm going to uh, drink wine in my bed and read a book and pretend i'm in a hotel room so i'm going to do that at some point mine um, Hold on, I oh, have to ask you oh, We, sh- we should the, oh, the reason the reason that we are phrasing it this way is because and you pointed this out to me is often more compassionate with other people than we are with ourselves and so one way to remind yourself that you are a human being deserving of compassion is to use your actual name and so um so that's why I'm gonna ask well yeah because I we off, I often text you and say be nice to my friend Lindsay yes exactly <laughs> you going to take care of my friend lisa this week so i have I, I i
1: thought of like a million things i like couldn't decide um and i think the one that will actually really make me happy and and by the way i was judging myself for all of these right i was like that's too superficial yeah i know don't
0: judge my friend lisa i know it's, it's so sort of it. she needs what you Stop she needs. judging like, her
1: I know. She just wants she just wants what she wants. Why does it got to be a thing? Exactly. So rude. I'm so mean to so her.
0: judgmental.
1: <laughs> I know. So, um I have decided that Lisa is going to get a nicer workspace. Because right now she okay, first of all, there're just clothes everywhere. Okay? Spring happened and I don't know, like something the clothes, it got real bad and then and then coronavirus happened and we just stopped folding laundry. So, <laughs> um, because the kids are like naked all the time. So, the clothes need to go away. And, like, I'm, I'm squeezing in this little spot between a chair and a folding table. And I'm facing like not the windows. And I'm constantly like, none of my papers have been put away in ages. And just, I keep walking into my daughter's bedroom which is right next door because I live in a very tiny little space and it's beautiful. The sunlight streams in, it's clean, it's pretty. And I'm like, I want to work in this room. And then I was like, okay, well give yourself a nice space, Lisa. So that is what I'm going to do. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Well, that's the end of our first episode. Yay. Yay!
0: Thanks so much for listening. We'd love to hear what you think about this topic. Our website is MommingWildFeminist.com, and you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Feminist. Let's have each other's backs this week. And take care of yourself.